This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. You're on Rally Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Uh, 50 years this year. 50 years we've had the DPB. It's quite a milestone when you think about it. And when you think how unremarked it was when it was introduced, I think, how controversial it's been. And here we are 50 years on. And someone who's been researching the DPB and its consequences, we're joined by Lindsay Mitchell. Good morning, Lindsay. Yeah, good morning, Rodney. It's amazing 50 years. It makes you feel a bit old when you can remember it coming in. Half a century. I know. I know. And I was at high school. Well, no, I was at high school when it had been in for a few years because I was sort of aware as someone getting ready to leave high school and <laughs> go to university or get on with the rest of my life that it was becoming known to young people, you know, that there was this option. Isn't that awful? That was only about five years after it was introduced. And no one accepts in the political world on the left that the DPB has been seen as a career option for mostly disadvantaged young girls. No, it's quite... It's it's surprising to me that they fail to acknowledge that there's some degree of... um, yeah, uh, choosing choosing to do this as a lifestyle option. Maybe that's a bit a bit too um, shows too much pre thought, but certainly there's I I believe um, people sort of just get in get into it as it's it's, um, it's part of their environment. Because they've grown up in an environment where it's quite common, and um, I mean, there is definitely research that shows that if you've grown up on welfare as a, a, a female, that the likelihood you will go on to have children and be on welfare yourself is very elevated. And there are entire streets where they're DPB. Everyone in the street or close to it, like it's not the exception in some communities, but the rule. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go as far as saying the entire streets, but there would certainly be um, the poorer communities where probably as high as half. Um, Amazing. Tell half me. Of the, half of I, the children have mothers on the DPB? I, I don't know. but um, that, shows you, that shows you that I was a politician because I'm giving to hyperbole. Half becomes everyone. <laughs> well, no, I don't know though, Rodney. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't walked down this street, but your common sense, common sense tells you that in the um, most deprived neighbourhoods, it would be very common. When the, you look at the, the Tom Sold, you know Tom Sold's great quote about this. Um, he said to rich people, he said, how would you like it if I offered your teenage, 14-year-old teenager 100000 a year if she had a baby? And they say that would be terrible if you did that. 
And he says, yes, but that's what you're doing effectively to young black girls. It's not 100,000, but to them it's like 100,000 if you're rich. And it's the, the very concept of how they would react sharply. If you're well off, you can't imagine having a baby for whatever the DPB is, but you could imagine having a baby for 100,000 a year. It's just your mm. relative expectations of your income, isn't it? Well, uh, I mean, realistically, um, the, the benefit um, the DPB, for example, with sole parent support, is at a level which easily uh, matches the income you would get from, I don't know, um, if you worked in retail. Yes. Um, you know, low-skill, unqualified work. Um, the DPB easily matches. Hmm. Take us That's back 50 years, Lindsay, to you being at high school. Take us back to before the DPB and what was happening socially and tell us about its introduction. Well, it's one of those, you know, you know, it's a, it's a, a chicken and egg. I describe it as a chicken and egg scenario. People's behaviour was changing throughout the 50s and the 60s. Um, people were becoming more liberal, um, for sure. They were, um, young people in particular, as you will know, were kicking against some of the social constraints that their own parents had, had conformed to. Um, the, the rates of ex-nuptial or out-of-marriage births were, were rising. Um, and and people were were not accepting the confines of of marriage, you know, till death do us part. If they weren't happy, um, they were protesting for for easier divorce laws and so on. So society was changing, and as I point out in in the essay, that governments do rightly um, respond to demand for legislative changes as society changes. But sometimes that response in and of itself um, accelerates the change. Mm. Um, and I still maintain, broadly speaking, that we would never have seen the levels of single parenthood if we hadn't subsidised it. Mm. Well... And that's almost common sense, isn't it? Uh, well, yes. You know, governments get what they pay for. Yes. And um, we were having increasing ex-nuptial births, births out of marriage. We were having more mothers keeping their children rather than putting them out for adoption. There was a growing loss of stigma about having a child out of wedlock. Mm. And at the same time, there was increasing divorce rates and divorce being made easier. Yeah. Because yeah. there's two ways for a woman, for a mother to end up on the DPB. One is to have a child without getting married. And the other one is to have a divorce or a separation from your husband or partner. Yeah. Yeah, and but, all, I mean, the, all, all these things were happening, and at the same time, 
governments lowered the cost of divorce, less stigma to having a relationship and children outside of marriage, and subsidised motherhood out of out of having children without having a husband. So the whole thing accelerated. What were the numbers back then, Lindsay? Well, in the um, in 1968, a what was called an emergency uh, domestic purposes benefit was introduced, and that was still um, uh, could only be granted at the discretion of the people who worked at social welfare, as it was then. Um, that was 68. By 1973, there were around six or seven thousand people on that benefit. And um, and the need was, you know, ex accelerating. The demand was growing, and um, <coughs> it's a bit of a myth that it was the Labor government. Well, it was the Labor government that introduced the, um, the statutory domestic purposes benefit in 1973, which meant that somebody was entitled as of right. There was no discretion involved anymore. <coughs> but the national government that had the outgoing national government um, had a members, private members bill um, in the offing by an MP called Lance Adam Schneider. Um, so they were they were on board to introduce their own um, form of statutory entitlement, but they lost that election and, and Labor came in uh, and they, they did that and um, it came into being on November 14, 1973. So 50 just, years ago. Yeah. And back... And at before, that point, so that point, yeah, six or 7,000 people. And then what did it rise to? Well, it just kept growing right through the 70s, 80s and 90s. Um, at, at its peak, um, sometime during the 90s, around about 114,000. Um, I mean, there was quite a lot of alarm. Sorry. Sorry, you carry on. There was quite a lot of alarm even by the late 70s, the late 1970s, because they had an inquiry then and um, tried to tighten up on the eligi eligibility criteria, um, introduced things like, you know, you'd have to go to uh, marriage guidance counselling before you could qualify. Um, but but nothing nothing that was introduced made any difference. The numbers just kept going up. Um by the 90s, you'll remember we had that terrible recession in the early 90s where unemployment hit 11%. Um, I mean, young people these days have got no idea what 11% unemployment looks like. Um, so that that exacerbated the situation because um, <coughs> there was then this sort of behavioural response and, 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 and it's been documented by none other than someone like Jane Jane Kelsey, who's quite quite a left-wing writer, who um, talked about how couples then made pragmatic decisions to split up so that they would both be entitled to a benefit, um, the female obviously, the DPB, and the male an unemployment benefit so that they would have more income. I mean, that split up um, in inverted commas. Um, so that that sort of pushed the numbers along as well. So right 
you know, it, it went as high as about 114,000. And um, thereafter, you know, it's come down a little bit. It's very hard at the moment to tell exactly how many people are on a benefit because they fiddled around with the name and the you know the qualification the, the qualifying conditions. For instance, now you can only be on the sole parent support until your youngest child is fourteen, and so then you 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 just transferred onto a job seeker benefit, but you don't appear there in in those numbers. But at the moment, there are over a hundred thousand sole parents on welfare. Just to bring you up to date, hundred thousand mm, at the moment. They're not what, all on the self-parent benefit, but, but overall the benefits. What what has been in the data that you look at, what is the consequence of sole parenthood for children? Do we See, that's it? a big question. It's a big question. Um, I mean, looking on the bright side, for uh, for some children, it, it, it's better for them to be with just their mother if they've got a father who, you know, really is, is a, you know, for instance, um, a lot of people on the, the sole uh, parent benefit have husbands who are incarcerated. Um, so if if it's if if they have a father who they're better off away from, who's disruptive, and so on, violent. It, it, it's better for them to 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 probably be with their mother. Having said that, it is then best if she stays by herself and if she has stability and provides for them and makes them her priority. Um, then, in, in that case, it may be better for the child. Okay, but in general, it's not a good thing for a child to be raised without their biological father. It's just not. And, and there's been there's so much evidence um, in terms of their outcomes, in terms of um, their educational outcomes, um, their social outcomes in terms of mental health, um, whether or not they go on themselves to be dependent on welfare. Uh, you know, it's the in America, um, they pretty much, you know, they're, they're they're sort of a more conservative nation than we are, and even on the left, we call I'd say the, the, the Democrats are, are more like you know our national party, and they're the left party. They accept they accept that married two parent families. Science shows that is the best environment for children, and yet we just we we fail to take that line in this country, and I don't know why. We're blind to it. Are we, are we anxious not to be judgmental? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yes, we are. Um, I, I, I'm I, I'm not absolutely. Sure, Rodney, but we, we we have a very strong feminist streak in this country, mm. um, which finds for the woman, and the woman is generally right. Um, um, for instance, when I talk about um, how we sort of turned our back on adoption, and, and we turned our back on adoption because the feminists 
lobbied against it because they believe that a child should always, without exception, stay with its biological mother. Well, don't worry about the biological father. Stay with the biological mother, you know. Um, it's an article of faith. And yet we know that there are mothers who aren't up for parenting. Um, they have problems in their lives which make them unfit for parenting. But it's like we can't say that. We have to fix the parent, fix the parent. Um, and, and that doesn't necessarily work. When you were a young woman, you would have been a feminist, I'm sure. Only for a short time. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. And why yeah. did you, what happened? Well, I was, um, so about, well, I think I was 18, 19, I'd left home and I was living with my boyfriend. I was very modern. Um, and I was reading books like the Marilyn French books. Um, and I, I found myself starting to find fault with my partner constantly. <laughs> uh, and I thought, uh, after I'd read this book, I thought, hey, I can't, I can't carry on like this. You know, I'm seeing him through a totally different lens and looking for all of the problems that I'm supposed to find in men. And it just didn't work for me. So I thought, well, I'll flag that. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and when the DPB came in, was it controversial? No, not at all. I um, <laughs> went through the whole process of look, searching through the microfish um, files at the Wellington Library, the gorgeous Wellington Library, before they closed it. Um, I knew thereabouts when it would be, and I think within a month I managed to find it just by going, you know, going through all the pages. That were on film and it was like two weeks after the event and on page 18 and it just had a little headline like uh, all sole parents including sole fathers and appeal court or something like that but it was just totally unremarkable and it was just like a an evolutionary process and yet in hindsight it was a significant shift in the expectations that we have of families, mothers, fathers, children, uh, being in a financial position to look after your children before you have them. Um, and I would hazard a guess a level of irresponsibility about having children in the sense that mm. you didn't have to be have the financial wherewithal to provide for them before you had them. Well, it's a lot. Of, a lot of people will always take the path of least resistance. That's mm. human nature. Mm. Um, there's been a shift too, hasn't there? Where we are the generation, the boomers, who were all about me, and mm -hmm. I look back on my mother and father. And if you'd said to them, are you happy, mum? She'd look at you and think you were insane. Mm. Because it's not a question that she would ask of herself. Because she was married with children and had a job to do. And it would never occur to her to say, oh, I think I'd be happier if I kicked dad out. Or, 
I left or I picked up with Bob down the road. It wasn't part of her thinking. It was, I'm a wife and a and a and a mother, and likewise with my dad. You worked, you provided for your family, and you were a husband and a father, and they were heavy responsibilities that you took seriously, and you put that ahead of yourself. And I compare myself to them, and I was growing up always thinking what suited me, if you know what I mean. And you suddenly realize you find yourself talking to people and you're thinking, oh, look, I'm not very happy in my marriage. You know, I'm not very happy with Sam. I'm not very happy with Diane. Um, I think it's best for the children we split. <laughs> and that just was, it was just never a thought to my parents' generation. But you know that that sort of um, I think it's I think it'd be better for the kids if we split up. You know, um, <laughs> that's quite comical, isn't it? Really, it is um, comical. Transposing your desires onto what'll be good for somebody else, because um, it 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 isn't it isn't good for children when parents split up, um, unless their parents are you know. It, 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 you know, on the point of strangling each other. Mm. Um, children uh, take a lot, take it to heart. You know, they blame themselves for the fact that their parents split up. You know, what did I do wrong? Why did yes. dad go? What have I done wrong? You know, it's yes. terrible. Um, and it must be very hard if a new man comes on the scene. Oh, very much so, um, and which is probably why a lot of second um, marriages fail when there are children because it, there are so many torn loyalties and um, you know it, it it's it, it is it is very very difficult to try and replace a biological father from a man's point of view mm. for the children they have had a period of having their mother to themselves and then they've got to share her again um the mother might have been unhappy and suddenly she's happy again. And again, the children go, well, why didn't I make her happy? How come he makes her happy and I didn't make her happy? You know, we, we, we don't give children enough credit for how they see and feel the world. Mm. And then the new partner can resent the children? Yep, the new partner can resent the children um, in the case it's of, of a very of a very young child, I mean, we've seen what what can result there. Mm. I mean, well, it's of... hard enough. It's hard enough to keep you cool with your own children <laughs> at times. So goodness knows, uh, with someone else, and of course, different attitudes of parenting. Oh my goodness! So if we look over, it's been fifty years. Um, started off seven thousand, grew to a hundred thousand. It had a huge effect in hindsight, along with everything else that was happening concurrently, with the role of men in society. Because when you see young men now, on the one hand, it's quite cool because they can have lots of girlfriends, but very hard for them oftentimes, to settle down with a family 
and have that responsibility and that pride that comes from being the breadwinner and the father. Mm. Mm. And there must be a lot of men, well, we know there are, at a loose end in society, unhooked, because they aren't settled down as they were in previous generations, because for every soul mum, there's a dad somewhere. Mm not hooked up. Mm. Mm. And quite often completely separated from the child. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, it's just, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because we go back to that time when um, these sort of societal expectations could seem quite oppressive. Yes. Um that you know, and, and you know, like if you, if you, heaven forbid, if you got your girlfriend pregnant, you were damn, damn well going to marry her. Oh, um, yes. There's a shotgun for that reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet we've gone from that, which I don't think is a good, a good situation, to having to to a a, a place and time where you know you have no obligations. Mm. To, to to each other. Um, I, I think that is why I I think that pe- that is why people do still get married, Rodney, because they 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 desperately want some sort of old fashioned commitment. Yes, and something I, to say. Sorry, I I have gone a hundred, you know, degrees, hundred eighty degrees on this. I remember being a teenager and in my early 20s and thinking poo-pooing marriage. Anyone that criticised the DPB was a meanie and just an old-fashioned dinosaur that should die out. (laughs) And that this whole welfare and looking after young mothers and allowing easy divorce was the measure of a civilised society. Yeah, the price we we were prepared to pay. Yes, and I never, ever ever, and this is the amazing frame, looked at it from the child's point of view. I never said to myself, well, I was thinking about what it meant for me and my cohort. I never thought about what it means for a little baby being born or a little toddler or a little kid at primary school or a kid at high school. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, We've all had these experiences. No one's escaped the trauma unless they're very fortunate of marital breakups and the rest of it. So it's not like or having had to go on a benefit or still being on a benefit. It's it's part of our life and part of our society. So it's not like we're sitting there and poo-pooing anything. It's just a fact to discuss that um, we didn't, take into account that the whole point of marriage, the whole point of that stability is the next generation. It's not about your happiness. Mm. You know? Oh, um, I, I'm in total agreement with you. And and we've, we've seemed to have gone away from what is natural. I This may sound a little silly, but um, I, I, my... my um, my guilty pleasure is golf. 
and I go to the golf course, and part of the reason I really like it there is because there is so much bird life. And at the moment, we've got the paradise ducks and the plovers with their chicks. And I watched the paradise ducks and the male ducks protecting the ducklings from the magpies. You know, and I think this is this is natural. It's this the is way what it is. It, it's the way it is. Yes. You know, we're not we we are the same. We are part of nature, and we were meant to procreate together and protect and raise our children together. Um, but you know, people far cleverer than me have decided. Well, that's not the case at all. And it really, you know, a child a child can be brought up in any environment as long as they're loved. You know, it doesn't mm. matter what the shape form and, and whether there there are people coming and going or whether you know they have to keep shifting houses or whatever they'll be all right as long as they're loved you know and it's just high in the sky and there's no confusion about the role of the drake and the duck <laughs> it's not there. the ones i'm not the ones i've observed <laughs> Lindsay, <laughs> thank you that's 50 years of the DPB. It's an inauspicious year when you reflect on it because it's just a part of the transformation of society, but it's been a significant one. And isn't it remarkable that it is, as Lindsay explains, it came in sort of an evolutionary way, not a big drama, um, and yet fundamentally changed attitudes, societal expectations, the role of men and women, how we look after kids, how we think about kids, how we think about marriage, how we think about families. 50 years this year. My goodness. You're on Radley Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Please send me a text, 2057. Email me, inbox at Reality Check Radio. I love your thoughts on 50 years of the DPB. And I wonder what New Zealand would be like if we hadn't introduced it. And I wonder if we'll ever move away or if, is it even politically possible? There you go. Text me with your thoughts. This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m.